Today is Friday, December 1st, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Hamas terrorists killed three in Jerusalem. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me as always, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gones, Phillips, get through the news of the cray. Gentlemen, what's up? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Living the dream. Excited to be here. What is up? Look, my favorite month of the year has yep. officially started. Yep. I, you know, I can I can without shame celebrate Christmas at this right. point, which <laughs> I've been celebrating for at least a month. I was going to say you've been you've been celebrating with shame for the last couple months. Yes. But now, well, yes. no, I haven't Chris been. Chris Kringle is with us, America. Chris Kringle, Goins Phillips. There's been no shame internally, but I have right. felt the external shame of others. Yeah. Well, that's appropriate. So that's, I'm not talking fair. about anybody in particular, Dan. Yeah. Well, I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah, that, I look, I'm just I, kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I I I, I do not apologize. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, I digress. <laughs> Let's get to the news of the day here, and we have a lot to get through. Google did they collaborate with the Biden administration during COVID? Spoiler alert: Yes, they did. <laughs> but we have that coming up on the focus. Also on the main thing. Three Israelis were killed and several others wounded. Hamas terrorists launch an attack in Jerusalem. Crazy stuff. We talked to CBN's Chris Mitchell about that and more about what's going on in Israel. We're going to get to all that and more, but first we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Mia Shem, the 21-year-old Israeli, is one of... The two hostages that the IDF says has been released by Hamas yesterday from the Gaza Strip. Back in October, Hamas released a propaganda video. You might remember seeing that. And she was in it and making a statement asking for her release, saying she's being treated well. And officials in the United States and in Israel said that they had no doubt this is a propaganda video and that she was forced to do it under duress. More hostages have been released since the ceasefire and they continue to come day by day but there's reports that tensions are running high as hamas seems to be unwilling or having trouble finding and bringing hostages to the negotiating table there's about 180 hostages left and walt disney company they suggested during uh, some recent sec reports that the stances they're taking on social issues could endanger their bottom line by quote and they quote risk relating to misalignment with public and consumer tastes. They added that generally our revenues and profit profitability are adversely impacted when our entertainment offerings and products, as well as our methods to make our offerings and products available to consumers, don't achieve sufficient consumer acceptance. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out more stories over at CBNnews.com. And guys, I mean, look, I would happily take a lot of money to be on the board of Disney to tell them that all the woke stuff is a bad idea. Well, yeah, I mean, you could have gone and you guys, I mean, we, we do this offline all the time. I go movie by movie they release and look at how much they've lost. And it's very evident, regardless of whether other factors are out there, that people do not trust them because of the positions they've chosen. And so it really is the biggest self-inflicted wound on one of the most beloved brands in American history. It's, it's shocking to watch, yeah. but... 
here we are. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about the reasons, uh, Billy, like if there was a pie chart, right, as to why Disney's having all these troubles, like the woke stuff would be a very large slice of the pie. And then I think there are some other small slivers in there that are contributing to it, like the fact that some of these movies are just bad. And maybe people are having superhero fatigue. And so you have all those things. And then you just throw into this recipe a giant dose of woke cultural activism. It's not going to go well. Yeah, well, I, it's insane to me that that this was is like an, a fixture in American culture. I mean, Walt Disney is like a legend within American culture. And like you, you had this dynasty like handed over to you this next generation uh that was you you were set up for nothing but success uh and yet (laughs) disney has found a way to sink the ship uh in a really monumental way i mean to look at the movies i mean release after release after release since 2021 disney has done nothing but fail in the box office none of them have made any money. And I think you can credit some of it to fatigue over the the superhero stuff, or maybe just kind of tired storylines. I know uh, like wish is the movie that's out right now. And I've heard from several people just anecdotally. It's like, eh, it was kind of boring because it was just what you would expect from a, an animated Disney movie, nothing really exciting. So I think you can credit some of it to that, but still with a brand like Disney, people used to just trust Disney. So it was like, whether I know anything about the movie or I know everything about the movie, I'm going to go see it because it's going to be well-made and it's going to be family friendly. And I don't have to worry about the content because it's made by Disney, but you can't rely on any of those three things anymore. And I think even though the majority of the country is more left leaning now, still when it comes to sexuality and gender issues, even if adults by a majority agree with the more leftist view, they don't necessarily want to see that stuff come up in kids' movies. Yeah, and look, I just miss the times when you had movies like Cars. And here's a story about somebody who's a big star and he realizes he doesn't have any actual friends. Like, he's just been focused on that. And then it's all about, you know, friendships and um, and that journey, just something so simple, right? And then even that the movie Planes that came out then was very similar to Cars, right? Just these simple storylines, and you don't have to be you don't have to be crazy with it. I mean, they can just pick different scenes and different environments and sort of even tell a similar story, but just keep it simple. And my goodness, I mean, even even Inside Out, I thought was is that a Disney one? The Inside Out one? I don't know if that's Pixar or not. I think it's I don't a- I think it's Pixar. Yeah, it's, they've got a sequel. Yeah. They've got a sequel coming. So let's see what that brings. But I us. liked Inside Out. I thought it was good. It yeah, was, it was it, a good movie. Yeah, and so like, the, why can't you just do that? Like, just tackle some simple things, simple concepts that everyone can enjoy. That that are all universal concepts: friendships, <clears throat> being kind to one another. I mean, you can do that without jamming an agenda down their throat. And I think this is what's well, at the heart of the issue, guys. They have now hired a bunch of activists at Disney who don't care. They don't care about appealing to everyone like this SEC report. They want to be martyrs for the cause. They'll send that ship sinking right to the bottom of the ocean as long as they can push their agenda. It's crazy. 
Well, they also are very many times the assumption is that they're a little isolated. They only know people who agree with yeah. them. And when that happens, that's, this is what we've seen in true. media and Hollywood. And that's another part of this, right? That the lack of understanding of middle America, which we've talked about a million times. Um, you know, it is interesting, though. You have a country where 66% of the country still claims to be Christian, right? We, I don't pretend to believe that all 66% are, but let's let's say they are. You have 66%. Then you have what? One percent Under 1% that falls into yeah. some of these categories and all the entertainment is cat is, is taking on themes that the 1% cares about and ignoring <laughs> right. themes it's, that the 66% cares about. It's overplaying your hand big time. It's, and I remember this from the early days of social media. I was shocked at how loud these LGBT activists were. Cause, and look, it's worked over time. You got to at least give credit where credit's due. As far as propaganda goes, they were just loud online. I remember thinking, nobody, nobody agrees with this stuff. Like the things they were saying, and they just over time, like the peer pressure and everything else, they made it a thing. And so, but but I think they've overplayed that hand, like the way it feels online, and the way it is in real life. I think they've overplayed that. Like to your point, Trey, I don't, I don't think regular families feel comfortable going into this super activist environment when it comes to trans and sexual issues. <laughs> and, and then you yeah. have the I don't think the trans part of the LGBT equation is very popular, not as popular as just the general idea that LGBT has become. Like I think people like see men beating up women in, on sports fields and they're, they're not down with that. <laughs> they're not well, down I with think, that at all. Well, you, especially with the, tra the transgender issue, there's so much, I think, um, diversity and frustration. If JK Rowling, I, she's great, but she's not like this bastion of conservatism, right. conservative no. Christianity, right? But, but she's somebody who's out there saying, even the left, which I'm a part of, has gone way too far. Yeah. Like y'all are Bill ridiculous Maher. on this issue. And yeah. like Bill Maher is the yeah. same way. So when you've lost even like the most stalwart progressives, <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe you should check, yeah. check, I don't know, check yourself a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Before you wreck yourself. Before, yes. Yeah, there you go. All right. Hey, we're going to move on here to our focus story. And this is an interesting one because we're seeing now that maybe Google collaborated with the Biden administration to crack down on divergent COVID views. What's uh, what's going on here? Yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting one. Fox Business reported that the Biden administration was essentially working with employees of Google who own YouTube. Google, again, owns YouTube. Mm -hmm. And that this unfolded in April of 2021. There were emails that were being viewed back and forth between administration officials and people at YouTube. Um, Rob Flaherty is apparently the former White House director of digital strategy. He's apparently the person who led this effort. And of course, they wanted to work with you know Google to find out how Google and YouTube were, were tackling vaccine misinformation. You know, it's interesting because you have the government coming in and you have a private company then working with the government essentially to try to root out what they saw as misinformation at the time. And we've since learned that, you know, some of these things weren't misinformation necessarily. It was just differences of opinion that were being quelled for, for no reason. Yeah. Um, so essentially these documents, these emails seem to show that YouTube government affairs was urging the product department to make changes and meet with the white house based on those changes and to sort of compare notes with one another, which 
is pretty alarming, not just on the COVID front, but but in general. Just to do this thought experiment, if we go back and put it under uh, all of this happening under the Trump administration, <laughs> yeah. how many CNN Fascist. and MSNBC headlines about authoritarianism yeah. do we think we would have seen, by, or totalitarianism, right. I think? It would too many to count. Like uh, it would be innumerable the number of articles talking about how we essentially have had a hostile takeover of the United States of America by a uh, dictator Donald Trump. So uh, it's I think that is what's so frustrating is when I was reading about this story uh, before we started taping this morning's podcast is there's one article currently up about this. Uh, about this yeah, story. It's right. only on, on Fox business. I couldn't find, I mean, there were like little mentions like blurbs here and there other places, but there were no other in-depth reports on it. And every outlet across America and even internationally would have, that's, you know, full breakdowns of yeah, the scenario yeah. if this was under uh, a Republican, especially under Trump. That is where you really can see media bias, not even in how they word things necessarily. It's what they choose not to pay attention to because that to me is the most insidious form of media bias because you kind of aren't even aware of it most of the time, right? Like a story just slips on by. The Al Shifa Hospital is another great example. I mentioned this uh, with Chris coming up in our conversation on the main thing. The media was all over that when they thought Israel was lying about Hamas using this hospital. But then video comes out of the terrorists taking hostages into the hospital. And then have you heard anything about the hospital in Israel in the last few days? No, they just dropped it and moved on to the next thing. That's insidious to me. That's evil. Well, well, it is. And I think when you go into these emails, you can see there are a couple of other things going on here, too. You have the YouTube government affairs team basically saying, you know, look, we're trying to work together with the White House. We're, we're trying to give them information on YouTube's policies. And then they say in all the, quote, great work that is being done to raise authoritative information and fight harmful misinformation related to COVID-19. But then there's another line. And this, again, is the YouTube government affairs team writing to their own product team. They said, we believe having the opportunity for you both to share more background would be hugely beneficial as we seek to work closely with this administration on multiple policy fronts. Ugh. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. Nice. Yeah, right? and that, that's concerning. I mean, that's concerning in my mind because you should have the disposition as a company when the government's reaching out to you of skepticism. <laughs> that That should be your first spot. Like, well... Maybe we don't just hand over the keys to the administration that's in power. And to your point, Billy, I don't think they'd be doing this with the Trump administration. But um, that to me is very concerning, the willingness to just sort of go right along, even if they think it's for a, a general good. Yeah. Well, and, and I was going to say, you know, you've got Senator Rand Paul who's out there saying, just like you were saying, Dan, this really is a grave threat to our republic to have the government involved. Yeah. You know, it's one thing we, we're all complaining about YouTube doing it on their own, about social media doing it. And there's a big debate about whether or not these powerful social media companies should have that right. But now you actually have, you know, the government deciding. And I think the biggest danger, what other issue, you know, you can laugh at this, you can dismiss this on COVID. Is it going to be Christianity, religion, faith? What other issue is the yeah. government going to take a position and come in and tell well, social media what, to quell it? What, and what's truth? Trey, I mean, Trey and I, I know we've talked about this many times, Trey. I can recall you and I having this back and forth with the CDC stuff about how obviously problematic it is for the government to be the ultimate arbiter of truth. I mean, yeah. it doesn't even matter if they're right at a given time or not. Like, you just cannot have that as your standard for obvious reasons of what the government has shown historically they'll do with that power. 
Yeah. Well, and two, I think a frustrating thing that I've seen time and again, whether it was during Obama's presidency or now during Biden's presidency, is corporations are really try their hardest to be anti the government and they want to be capitalistic and all on their own and whatever and, you know, stick it to the government man type thing whenever a Republican is in office. But then when a Democrat is in office, unfortunately, uh, they just become like extensions of the yeah. government yeah. Uh, rather than All their own sudden. corporations like YouTube, Google, Target. I mean, pick your poison. It doesn't matter. All of them are just an extension of whatever it is that the government agenda is. And I think we're seeing that played out. Yeah, absolutely. And there, that is the, the double standard mindset. It's, it's all of a sudden it's fascism. It's authoritarian when Republicans are doing, which they aren't doing this, but if they were doing that, but then all of a sudden it's the, benevolent leaders that are just want to get the truth out there. And it's, 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 it'd be comical if it weren't so scary and sad. So, all right. Appreciate that uh, story and, and getting that one on our radar since nobody else seemed to be uh, willing to put that one uh, out there with the bright lights. So appreciate that. We're going to head over to the main thing now and CBN's Chris Mitchell joins us to talk about this Hamas terror attack that killed three in Jerusalem. This is just days after a ceasefire was agreed upon and after Hamas prisoners were released into Eastern Jerusalem. Well, CBN's Chris Mitchell, our uh, Middle East Bureau Chief over there in Jerusalem, joined us to talk about that and more on today's Main Thing. All right, so Chris, we've got this ceasefire going on, but now we have at least IDF saying that they are Hamas in Jerusalem committing this attack. What's going on here? Well, it's true. Uh, in referring to the terror attack earlier today, Dan, about uh, where two Hamas terrorists uh, pulled up to a bus stop just on the outside of Jerusalem. Uh, one had a pistol, another had, I believe, an M16, and they just began to shoot people that were there at the bus stop. Uh, tragically, three were killed, I believe six injured. Uh, and just, uh, I mean, a, a scene of mayhem. Uh, you can imagine what would happen if you're just standing at a bus stop uh, waiting to go to work or home or uh, school, and then all of a sudden you're, you're in the middle of a terror attack. You can see it on the surveillance camera. Uh, two, two men get out from East Jerusalem, and uh, Hamas terrorists affiliated with Hamas get out and start shooting. And then uh, almost within a few moments, uh, you see one civilian with a pistol. Uh, he responds to the terror attack and a soldier who had been in Gaza uh, with his own rifle. And they both mm. uh, responded and uh, <clears throat> killed, the, killed the terrorists. Uh, one of the, the Israelis' uh, minister of internal security said, uh, you know, that's just proof that the more guns there are out there among Israelis, yeah. Uh, the quicker these kind of terror attacks uh, get stopped. Yeah, you're not helpless. And look, I, I can't help but ask the obvious question here, Chris. We just had this swap, the prisoner swap, and they were released. I, I saw you and Chuck talking about this the other day on, on the live stream that you saw the buses coming in uh, to East Jerusalem yeah. there and letting off all these young men. You can't help but wonder, you know, all of a sudden, then a Hamas person shows up in East Jerusalem. I mean... Is there any connection to it? Do we just not know enough yet, or what's the deal there? Well, I, I don't think they were uh, part of the prisoner exchange, but you have to, you know, realize that many of these prisoners, Palestinian prisoners, and it's about a three-to-one ratio, uh, have been convicted of attempted murder, 
of stabbing, of shooting, uh, bombing. Uh, so it's not, it's, there's really no equivalence here in terms of innocent civilians that have been kidnapped out of their homes and, uh, you know, captive for more than 50 days. And these prisoners who, uh, I believe 55% are convicted of, uh, you know, violent crimes. Uh, more than 20% are affiliated with terror groups. And so I, I was talking to an Israeli the other day, and she's just simply scared that something like today is going to happen from the people that have just been released, about 200 Palestinian prisoners. Mm. And it does make you wonder if they, they went into prison because of these uh, crimes, will they go ahead and do it again? Yeah, absolutely. And for those that aren't aware, I mean, East Jerusalem there, I mean, there's a lot of Palestinians there and there, I mean, there's tensions there, but it's, I mean, generally it's normal, normal daily life there. Right. I mean, but there, uh, or, or is it, I mean, explain to me that, I mean, cause I remember going there and I kind of felt that tension. I remember seeing protesters uh, when we were at an event, um, over in that area and there were some kind of protesters heckling and stuff, but so there were some tensions there, but what, what is it like, um, in East Jerusalem and, and in that area? Well, it is, uh, as you say, for the most part, many times it's uh, quiet, but there is uh, sort of percolating under the, uh, under the surface. There are members of Hamas in, uh, parts of Jerusalem and, uh, particularly the more, the Arab part of, uh, Jerusalem. And, uh, you just, don't know when something uh, might happen. And so there is a, uh, a sense of uh, uncertainty, I think, especially since October 7th. And uh, one of our uh, cameramen uh, who speaks Arabic was over in that part of town. And there's a fair amount of graffiti that praising Hamas or mm. uh, <clears throat> celebrating Hamas over there in that part of the city. So it's uh, something that certainly the Police needs to be, I'm sure they're aware of, yeah. and uh, to be watching. But these kind of terror attacks that happened earlier today, Dan, are very hard to uh, to predict. And, you know, they come at random, different parts, times of the day, different places. They're very hard to protect against. Yeah, and as good of a job as the IDF does and the security does around Jerusalem, like you said, you just you just never know when someone's going to snap. And, and knowing that there are people who sympathize with Hamas or actually are in Hamas are in that area. It, yeah. it just, like you said, it's bubbling under the surface, and you just don't know when it's going to come up. So it's it's just mm-hmm. a, just another reason we need to be praying for for everyone, Definitely. including you guys over there in in the middle of that, because um, you do see it just going around that that you know there's some some of those differences there and that tension there. So and and of course now after October seventh, I mean it's just on a on a whole new level. And I want to transition now, Chris, just to talk about these the releases that we've seen. Um, what do you see going forward here as, you know, we, I don't know how many are still left. I haven't seen the latest number on that, but we've gotten some hostages back, but there's still a long way to go. There is. I think, uh, I think a uh, total as of today, 97 have been released, including I think 14, uh, four nationals. That's mainly Thai, uh, agricultural workers. And, but today there was, uh, 10 more released. I think two more were released just a few, an hour or so ago, and eight more to be released probably later this evening. Uh, and that was the extension of one more day. Uh, likely, at least based on the last uh, week or so, there'll probably be uh, maybe one more day of extension of this ceasefire and another 10 hostages released. Mm. But, uh, you know, Dan, we've been hearing not from the hostages themselves because 
I don't know if any of them directly have talked to the media, but through their family members, they're saying their uh, treatment was was horrific, uh, making have, having to watch the October 7th videos mm. uh, and also being, for some of the children, uh, forced at gunpoint not to cry. And so many of these hostages, particularly the younger uh, children, are just deeply, deeply traumatized. Gosh, they, I hadn't heard that. They were making them watch the videos of the attacks? Yeah, yeah, October 7th. And, you know, there's a lot of body cam footage from uh, Hamas yeah. themselves willingly videotaped the murders and the rapes. And uh, so that's what some of these hostages and some of these children had to watch. One last question here, and, I, and I'll let you go because I know I know you're really busy. But we had just a couple days ago this the media was trying to say that Israel was making up the claims about having a command center underneath the Al-Shifa hospital. And then they started posting videos and showing these extensive tunnels right either under or nearby this this hospital. Has that sort of been put to bed and put to rest that they've sort of proved this case, or are they still arguing that? I, I think they proved their case. And I think at the very beginning, and you have to realize logistically and militarily, this was an enormously complex and sensitive military operation. They had to find, and which they suspected and had intelligence about, that there was a large command center under the Al-Shifa hospital, as well as some of the other hospitals there in northern Gaza. And they, they had to um, <clears throat> fight their way in. And then they had to, excuse me, they had to discover it. Yeah. At the very beginning, some of the media was saying, well, there's no there there. And, and yet it, was, it took several days for the uh, IDF to go step-by-step step methodically to uncover the tunner, tunnel complex under the El Shifer Hospital, all the while trying to make sure that there was no harm to the staff or the patients in the El Shifer Hospital, which they did amazingly. And then they provided respirators for children. They provided... Uh, <clears throat> medicines and, and, and food for the people. And, and yet they did discover that, uh, that there was this major compound, this major tunnel complex in the Al Shifa hospital. Uh, there was an interview with one of the BBC correspondents, Jeremy, uh, I'm trying to think of his name now. Uh, I don't want to say Corbin, but uh, Bowen, Jeremy Bowen. Uh, he's a, been a Middle East reporter, correspondent for BBC for many years. And he said he got it wrong. He, he admitted that. Mm. Uh, he didn't take any culpability. He said, <laughs> I, I, I didn't think he was wrong, but he, he was wrong about the facts. Uh, and he reported them, uh, as misinformation, I guess, at the best at the beginning, as well as some others, people, I think were too quick to rush to judgment when they first uh, were able to get to the El Shifa hospital. And then the video came out, Dan, of actually the, the surveillance or the circuit control, uh, the yeah, cameras the that yeah. saw them bringing in the hostages <laughs> to uh, to the hospital itself, and wow. because of all that, the uh, the IDF has arrested the uh, hospital administrator and for being complicit with Hamas. That's, that's incredible. And then mysteriously, I'm having to ask you for an update because, of course, the mainstream media is not. They're not all over this story all of a sudden. It's like, oh, well, I guess that one didn't prove it. So we'll move on to the next thing that we can complain about. It's, it's incredible to watch unfold. And just another reason why I'm incredibly grateful for you and your team over there, Chris, and the incredible work you're doing. I, I just encourage everyone listening to this podcast to make sure you're tuning in to uh, the Jerusalem Dateline team and all 
all the updates they're giving us on a daily basis. So, Chris, appreciate your time today. Stay safe, my friend. Thank you, Dan. Great to be with you. And you're right. We did, there is an amazing team over here in the Bureau. All right, Chris Mitchell, thanks so much for that. And uh, some eye-opening stuff. And it's just it just gets uh, more and more uh, crazy every day, and especially the media coverage, which is frustrating. It got frustrating very fast, and it's been like that. Um, for the last month, month and a half. So appreciate Chris uh, bringing the truth on the podcast today. All right, that's going to leave us here with time for one last thing on the podcast. This Friday episode of the Quick Start Podcast, and we're going to look at Revelation 22, 12 through 13. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning in the end, guys, just a reminder that's obviously the last uh, chapter in the last book in the Bible and talking about Jesus is coming back and you 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 want to be under the umbrella of grace. You do not want to be under the umbrella of wrath without that or without an umbrella and under God's wrath. So um, trust Jesus and just know that he is going to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. Yeah, it's a great reminder of what's to come, right? The hope that is yep. to come. That's the hope we have as Christians. Absolutely. All right. Well, don't forget, you can get on over to CBNnews.com. Make it a daily stop. Faithwire.com as well. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Watch the CBN News channel on uh, CBNnews.com. A lot of great programming there. We'll get you some truth that the secular media is just not going to give you. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We should be back here Monday. God bless. Have a great weekend.